Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. And so we've been in the middle of a series entitled No Love Serve. And for you guys who are familiar with our church, you know that No Love Serve is the, um, the mantra or the, 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 the methodology that we utilize in order to try to encapsulate the Christian walk uh, uh, into something that we can, we, we can wrap our heads around. And so we say that no is learning to trust God, and it is communion with Christ. It is that vertical relationship between you and God. But if you notice, there are concentric circles, and there is overlap in these circles. And so sometimes we feel like well, we know to know God, I, I, I can just be uh, uh, in my vertical relationship. But if you notice that, you know, there's other elements that we often try to compartmentalize that are necessary also to knowing God. And one of them is love. And we define love as learning to follow him with others. And so sometimes uh, in order for us to be able to better know God, we need to be engaged in Christian community. And we started talking about that last week. We talked about the no component. I call it the play fair clause. Right. God said, how can you say you love me who you can't see, but you can't love Trevor with this tie dye T-shirt on this morning? Right. I don't agree with your fashion choice, but I love you, brother. <laughs> Trevor knows I give him a hard time. Trevor is an awesome dude. And then also we need to move into this this act of serving where when we're in Christian community, then we're there with the idea of we're going to serve in our community and we're going to serve in our community that, that God might get glory and that he might grow and he might be glorified so he is better known when we serve. And so we use all of these things in this, and we use them in tandem and it's like the middle part is a sweet spot, we call it. When we're operating on all these cylinders, it is the sweet spot. It keeps us balanced and moving forward in Christ. You know some people, they're too, they too heavily minded to be too, any earthly good. You know those people? They're just super spiritual, and they lock themselves up in the closet. They study the Bible five, six hours a day, and it's like, okay, but what are you doing with that, right? Or there are people, they love community so much, they might as well just be a book club or something like that. They hang out, and they do all stuff. They say, this is fellowship, but they never talk about God. They never talk about the Bible. They never talk about serving one another's needs. And then we have UNICEF people, right? They go, and you know, and we go, and we go serve on foreign soil, and we do all these other things, but we don't do anything locally home in our own community. And so we don't want to be any of these things that uh, 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 keep us unbalanced. And so today we're going to take a little trip, we're going to take a journey, and we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. So to recap, last couple of weeks we've been talking about the all-in kind of faith. The all-in kind of faith. And in the context of Christian community, I said last week, don't tell me how spiritual you are if you're not in Christian community. I don't want to hear how spiritual you are if you just, you know, you, it's just you and Jesus. But I'm going to have another challenge today. I don't want you to try, start trying to measure your Christian maturity without looking through the lens of this. Are you pursuing the gift and the call that God has placed on the inside of you and you are now, or are you working those things out? Because that's how you're ultimately going to give God glory. And here's the thing. When I start, you know, I'm going to say the word in a second, and some of you, you're going to tighten up when I say it. Spiritual gift. Some of you didn't tighten up, you know what I'm talking about. What is the spiritual gift that you speak of? And so God has given every believer this gift that is on the inside of them, that God has deposited on the inside of them. And in this spiritual gift, it is the way that you should be operating or functioning in the church, in community, in serving, in drawing others closer to God. And here's the other thing. When you're operating in your spiritual gift, God would also use that gift to sanctify you. 
to draw you closer to him. I'm a strong proponent of this. I'm a strong believer of this. One of my uh, mentors from a distance, I read all of his books. I love listening to his sermons. His name is Dr. Crawford Lewis, and I heard him say this years ago, and when he said it, it hit me in my stomach. He said, what God has called you to is his primary means of sanctifying you. And if you're in a room and you don't know what sanctified means, it it simply means he's drawing you closer and closer to him, and he's making you more Jesus-like. And so the thing that God has called you to is the thing that he will use to make you more like Christ. And so our spiritual gift is this important thing, but a lot of times we don't want to touch it because it sounds all spooky. And we're close to Halloween. We start talking about spirits and gifts and stuff like that. What does that mean? And maybe some of you, you've grown up in some disciplines where when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about talking in tongues. Or we're talking about being able to stand in front of the congregation and say, thus saith the Lord. And maybe some of you guys have been around spiritual gifts and they have been abused. Because oftentimes we, when, when people find out their spiritual gift, they begin to laud them over people and then they become Holy Ghost Junior. It's Jesus than them. But gifts have been given in the context of community to grow us closer together and to grow us closer to God. And so we're going to tackle it, not only this morning, because I don't have enough time this morning. Some of y'all know I might try to take enough time, but we don't have enough time this morning. So we're going to talk for the next couple of weeks about spiritual gifts. And I'm going to come from a context. And listen, I struggled. I read, when I first heard about spiritual gifts a long, long, long time ago, when I first became a Christian, I started studying it. I started researching it. And I got to be honest, I was overwhelmed. I started looking into some stuff. And I thought initially this might be my spiritual gift. And then I figured out later that it wasn't my spiritual gift. And so it's a lifelong journey to identifying and understanding your spiritual gift. And I say that we need to learn in the context of Christian community. And so here's another plea. Join a small group. Life group. You see, my spiritual gift is not memory, because that's not a spiritual gift. And so I tried to figure it out. So I'll I'll tell a little bit of my story. I was a part of a church, and I jumped in, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I I, I told my wife, when when we found this church, I probably was about 20-something years old. We had a couple of kids, and we started having children early. Brianna was born, actually, on Father's Day on my 20th birthday. And so we started having kids really early. So I had a few kids, and I was like, man, I'm through with the world, man. I'm going there, and I'm going I'm to church, and I'm going to be, man, it's going to be Paul, and it's going to be me. And I heard this thing about spiritual gifts, so I started studying and researching and looking at all these different gifts. And I got to be honest, it was overwhelming. Because in order to understand what God is calling you to, it's a challenge that you have to serve first be cognizant of who you are. You have to be able to truthfully look at the man or woman in the mirror and say, this is who I am, and this is what I sense God is saying in my heart and in my life and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I got to be honest, I started out thinking my spiritual gift was one thing. I started living and started experimenting and started diving in and getting into the context of community, and quickly I learned, okay, that is not my spiritual gift. Or that is not my spiritual gift. And see, here's the challenge. When I want to talk about some of the spiritual gifts today, listen, these, what spiritual gifts are, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we're going to get into it. Um, what spiritual gifts are, it's a definition up there, Ryan. I got ahead of my notes, but you, you, you'll catch up. Uh, spiritual gifts are, are a supernatural, unique ability given freely by God to believers with the purpose of them being used to edify the body of believers and to glorify God. It's a supernatural ability given to you by God used to edify the church and yourself. 
and it will ultimately bring God glory. And so one thing that we have to do is sometimes we confuse talents with gifts. And the funny part about it is all of these spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today, listen, we're all called to do all of them. But some of us have been given it in a greater measure, and we have a greater responsibility for those things in the body. Let me use an example. Any basketball players in the room? Good. Y'all will get this. Okay, Garrett. I know, Garrett, you play a little bit. I seen you. You got a little something, something. <laughs> got a little something, something. But if we were to go on a men's retreat, and a ball just bounced in the middle of all of us, listen, it wouldn't take us long to see those people who are talented at playing basketball and those who are not talented at playing basketball. <laughs> but just because you couldn't shoot a three-point shot like Steph Curry doesn't mean that you are of no value when it comes to playing basketball. You see, I used to be pretty good at playing basketball until my knees started telling me something different. But if you need me to be on your team now, I got a special place on the court. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to take the hard fouls because I ain't going to be out there that long. Every championship team need a Rick Mahorn <laughs> or Bill Lambeer. They go in there and put your nose in there, right? You know what I'm talking about. And so in the body of Christ, listen, it wouldn't take us very long as we're exercising on that court when we're playing. It wouldn't take us that long to say, okay, when this happens, I won't know. I won't know. I want Garrett to take the shot. Love you, Ryan Noah Castle. You got some great gifts. If we get into a fight, I want you in front. But listen, right now, we want Garrett to take the shot. Right. And when we talk in context of that, we say, yeah, when I'm when I'm in this situation, I, 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 I excel here and I excel there. But when we get to the church and we get to the body, we don't know where we're supposed to be sometimes. Why? Because we're not. Listen, here's the thing. I know it's going to sound harsh because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And God has given each and every one of us a special gift, a special gift. And some of you guys say, yeah, I understand that. Pastor, look, you got it. I did it. I've taken anybody her shape. You know, what's, what's, what's your shape, your spiritual gifts, your, your aptitudes, your, 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 I forget all the things. I did that, left more frustrated. Right? I did get the whole spiritual gift, uh, uh, went to every scripture about spiritual gifts and was learning and going, okay, that still don't make no sense to me. And here's the challenge is you look into the text, you look at spiritual gifts in the text, and the Bible doesn't clearly define what spiritual gifts are. It's just, it's just about you have to learn the original language, and in the language, you can kind of deduce what that gift will be, right? And so you start learning and say, oh, man, I, maybe I'm this, and maybe I'm that, and maybe I'm this. And it's not until we step out in the context of community, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, that we start to understand, okay, this is what God has called me to. And God has gifted each and every one of us with something special. If you're a believer, if you're in the body of Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. If I were to tell you that Jesus had a box in the back of the room for you and you just need to go open it up, just go find the gift and go open it up, and whatever is that gift you can have, we'd be making a beeline to the back of the room. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, why don't we do that? We, we understand they're a gift from the Holy Spirit. They're special endowments. Why don't we do that? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Maybe some of us aren't all in like we think we're, we say we're all in. Because I know once I get that gift, I'm going to have to use that gift. And we treat that gift like when you're the first-time parents, when you buy that kid that brand-new toy, and you jump in front of them, and they open up on Christmas, ah! and they want to play with the paper instead of the toy. 
right, they want to make stuff out of the box. You're like, look, I got you a new, this is a new, this is a new VTech laptop. I know you don't know understand that, but hit the button and say stuff to you. They're like, yeah, that's good. Box. And that's what it's like a lot of times in the church when it comes to spiritual gifts. So first off, we got to get to a place where, listen, we're sick and tired. We're sick and tired. We're sick and tired of being the way that we are. We're sick and tired of the church looking the way that it looks. We're sick and tired of the church, of the world looking at the church and saying, you know, there's not much to it. We're sick and tired of coming in Sunday after Sunday. And I know I'm talking to somebody coming in Sunday after Sunday and say, I don't even know why I keep showing up. We're, when we get sick and tired of that, we got, we got to start saying, God, what is it that you want me to do here? I listened to a podcast this week, and let me tell you, it wrecked my little soul. I listened to the podcast this week. It wrecked my little soul. It was an 80-year-old pastor, and he was talking about the different uh, decades of his life and the things that he was learning. And he said, you know, it sounds morbid right now, but me and my wife, we're both over 80 now. We know statistically when we wake up in the morning, it might be my last day. He said, I got a whole different way of looking at the body of Christ. I got a whole way of looking at eschatology. I got a whole way of looking at rewards in heaven now, a whole different way of looking at it right now based upon my time being short. In church, our time is not promised. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, man, he has a point that, man, maybe when I'm 80, I'll start. I'm like, wait a minute, I could die tomorrow. What am I doing for Christ? Only what's done for him will remain. And so in the context of that, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts this morning. Okay, and so I'm going I'm to I'm put some things out there. Um, and maybe you've heard some of these things, and maybe some of these things are a stumbling box. Maybe you heard spiritual gifts from the shape perspective. Maybe you've heard spiritual gifts from breaking them up into blocks or categories. There's the one out there that talks about miraculous gifts versus enabling gifts versus team gifts. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Uh, I, like I said, I was really trying to find out. And then some people have said that, they're, that, that the gifts have ceased. Have anybody heard that? That you know, when the Bible came, the gifts ceased. We don't need those spiritual gifts that were in the first century church anymore. We don't need those anymore. Some people cut it down the middle and say only the miraculous gifts are gone because those were the established doctrine and, 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 and some of them are still going like preaching and teaching. And so, and so we, some people are, are, are cut down the middle. I Listen, listen, here's my stance. This is not necessarily the whole stance of the elder staff. We haven't really uh, delved into and just really tackled a whole lot of this, but I believe that God can do whatever God wants to do and anytime God wants to do it. I don't think that stuff has ceased. I just don't think that. But I also believe that sometimes we haven't understood the original language and we've added stuff to stuff. Right. Especially when it comes to the gift of prophecy. Look, hey, people get tight. People get tight. People get tight because I'm a prophesy that there's 10 people in here. that got a thousand dollars. I need it right now. I, I sensed it. <laughs> Ten with a thousand. I sense it. I feel it. Or when I say that my prophecy is equal to the prophecy in the Bible and I put my word equal to God's word. And some of y'all be saying, who would do that? Listen, some of your favorite worship artists and people like that, they go into churches that talking about stuff like this. And so I don't believe that whatever God has given us is greater than the authority of what God has already done through the scripture. It's greater than the authority of what God has already established. I don't think that I'm ever going to get a prophecy that is new revelation. I don't believe that. But I do believe that God will illumine the text for me. And show me in the text how they can apply to lives today. I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, and so what I did was I literally, I literally, and listen, this is not native to me, so y'all don't think that I'm great in my understanding. But listen, when I was looking for my spiritual gifts and trying to find and understand spiritual gifts, I was going to pastors and elders before I was a pastor and elder. And I was going to try to figure things out. And I was going to people and people were saying, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's this. And I was just walking, they don't know what they're talking about. But then I found this one teaching and it just hit me in my stomach. And so listen here. 
the teaching that Pastor Sean is giving you today is not doctrine. Hear that. I'm not saying this is doctrine, but I'm saying as I look at the scripture, it makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense to me. It might not make no sense to you, but as I was pursuing strong, hard after my spiritual gift, I found this, that's it. After years, about 15 years of trying to figure this out, I saw it, I go, that's it. And so it might not resonate with you, but here's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to go back and research it for yourself and see if it fits. If it doesn't, throw it away. This is no reason for us to divide over. Okay? Jesus still Lord? He's still on the throne? Okay, don't, don't be shooting me them looks then. And so you might be asking this morning, you've intrigued me, sir. How do I figure it out? Okay, I believe that there's four major passages when it comes to figuring out your spiritual gifts. And we're going to touch all of them in the next couple of weeks. But here's the way they're found. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4 is where all the spiritual gifts are found. And listen, I'm going to tell you why I identified this. I forgot to say that because I want to give credit where credit is due. I heard this first from Chip Ingram. I've heard it from other people since then, but I've heard it first from Chip Ingram when he talks about your divine design, how God has designed you and where you can find your spiritual gifts. And I kind of trust Chip, but... Uh, I've done some research for myself, and it resonates with me. Amen? And so this is just a framework. It's not gospel. Framework is not gospel. But what's most important is that you go out and you find out what God is calling you to do, what you sense God is calling you to do, and you do that. Okay, and so before we get there, before we get to the framework, we already defined what spiritual gifts are. We want to look at some truths about spiritual gifts real quick. Got a slide. Truths about spiritual gifts. All right, I can't read that. It's too small. I got it right here. Each believer is given at least one. That's based on 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I can't see anyway, but I think that's what it says up there. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit deal more so with your character. Spiritual gifts are for the edification of the rest of the body of believers. The Holy Spirit determines who receives your, uh, your particular which gifts. They don't, you, don't, you don't get to write no special requests and say, I want this gift. If the God, you can pray about it. The Bible says pray about those things, but they don't, promise, they don't mean that God's going to give it to you. Because God knows some of y'all bossy. You want to give the leadership so that you can just keep on being bossy. The Holy Spirit determines. Why is that important? Because sometimes what we do is we think we can work our way into stuff. I, I, I heard a prominent preacher the other day, love him, respect him in so many other different areas, but he was saying some stuff that implied or intimated that, uh, that, that you can work your way into a gift. Mm, mm, mm. Each gift is equally valuable. You need to hear that. Just because you don't have a little Janet Jackson microphone come around your mouth like this and sing on Sunday mornings and control or whatever we be doing, listen, doesn't mean your gift is not equally as valuable. There are some of you in the room, you have particular gifts, a particular gift set. We're going to talk about seven of them this morning. And those things are so valuable to our church. You might be able to work with kids. Listen, woo, thank you, Jesus. And your gift set works with kids more so than I go back, I go, I go back there and I exegete some scripture with them and they're going to be looking at me like, get them. <laughs> right? Your gift is equally as valuable. 
every gift equally as valuable, not more important. Some are just more seen. But the Apostle Paul talks about gifts. He said just because it's not seen don't mean it ain't important to you. You got some important stuff that you cover up. I hope you cover it up. Gifts are to be used to serve others for the benefit of the body. It's not about you. It's not about them loving your gift and then supporting you based on your gift. Oh, some of us have been to those churches. It's because this is the way that the man of God is, and since I'm the man of God, you need to do this because I'm the man of God. No, 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 no. Listen, you the man of God, that means you should be the first servant. And we're going to move on. You are commanded to use your gift. Uh-oh. That's the Scooby-Doo voice. <laughs> you are commanded to use your gifts. Exercising our gifts will help us to develop maturity, a spiritual maturity. Exercising our gifts will help us to develop spiritual maturity. And we really want to just focus on those two areas tonight. You're commanded to use them and that you're going to need them to develop in Christian and spiritual maturity. And so here comes the framework. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7. See, somebody said, see, some of y'all might have a certain gift and you're like, will you hurry up and get to the scripture? Because that's the way you're wired. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That word uninformed there is agnoio, which is where we get the word agnostic from. Listen, concerning your spiritual gifts, I don't want you to act like you, like, like, like you don't know what I'm talking about. This is what Paul was talking about here. Because in 1 Corinthians, spiritual gifts were on, 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 on turn. He had to go into church and say, listen, y'all doing, hey, 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 I'm going to set up some of this down. I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to be doing. And so he said, it's concerning your spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. He goes on in verse 2 to talk about uh, they were led astray by mute idols. Uh, and that's why no one can call Jesus a curse. But I really want you to look at verse 4. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. In verse 4, that word gifts is charismata, which actually means grace gifts. Not like the grace gifts we get back there, but it's like, like it's a gift that's given by grace. It's supernatural ability that's given to you and you can't work for it. There are varieties of charismata. That's where we get the word charismatic from. This variety of supernatural ability. But the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. That word service is actually diakonos. Where we get the word deacon from. Deacons are servants. He says there are varieties of servant services, uh, also known as work, uh, I mean, um, ministry. The varieties of ministry. And then thirdly, he says in verse 6, he says, and there are a variety of activities. Some of yours might say variety of works or, 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 or another word like that. But there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Activities, that word is, I can't even say it, but it, where we get the word energy from. I'm not a Greek scholar. I just play one on TV. There's a volley of energy that's given towards these things, and God empowers them to everyone. And watch this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Based on these things, there would be this manifestation of the Spirit based on the things that we are actively doing in the body, and the manifestation of the Spirit will be for the common good. So your gift ain't about you. 
Now, God will use it to grow you, but it's not about you, boo-boo. Your gift is given to you so that you can go and serve others, that you can help grow others. And some of us need to hear this. Some of us need to be using our gifts at the house. The people who live 10 feet away from you need to see your gift in operation in your household. And I ain't got a lot of time, so I'm not going to touch it this morning. And so based on that, let's see that next slide, Ryan, uh, uh, with, 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 the, with the graphic. Based on that, this is what we grabbed. Based on that scripture, those three words that we just brought forward, this way of thinking about spiritual gifts gives us three categories of gifts, right? The first one, next slide. There we go. The first one is the motivational gifts. The motivational gifts, they're found in Romans chapter 12. Prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. These are the motivational gifts. Listen, this, every believer has been given one primary motivational gift. We are to concentrate on discovering it and develop this gift. Watch. Next one. And so once we discover that one, then we move to the next category. Watch this. And we're doing this so that it won't be overwhelming. Listen, I looked at that whole list of spiritual gifts, all those gifts, those gifts up there, and there are a few more that, found, that are found in other places like intercession and hospitality. Some people say it don't go on the list. Some people say it do go on the list. And so I'm not going to argue that. That's between you and Jesus. But let me tell you, it's challenging to look at all those gifts and say, which one am I supposed to do? Why? Because God has called us to all of, a lot of these, right? God has called all of us to proclaim his word. God has called all of us to service. God has called all of us to be able to teach. You say, by now you ought to be teachers. He, he calls all of us to encourage. He calls all of us to giving. But listen, some of us are giving it in a spiritual way that it, it, it is a greater magnitude than others. And so because our hearts are to do all of these things, sometimes we're challenged with, okay, I, I feel that way sometimes. I don't always feel like that. I feel this way sometimes. I don't always feel like that. And so the way to figure it out is just to jump in. And I believe that this this method right here helps us to narrow down where we're supposed to be. All right, the next one is service, where we got that word diakonon. I'm sorry, I was back on the other one. Uh, and so these gifts are where we outwardly work ministry, right? We might have a motivational gift that we need to concentrate on. And when we understand our motivational gift, it can express itself through a variety of ministry gifts. And here's the thing. I used to, any, any gamers in the, in the room? I used to be a gamer. Amen. Amen. Oh, okay, Harrison. Yes. I used to play this game called NBA 2K, right? All right. All right. And so I used to play NBA 2K, and here was a challenge. Here was a challenge. Last season, it broke me from it because they, they take all your money. And Terrence beat me one time, but he cheated. I'm sure he cheated. But anyway, in NBA 2K, they had these archetypes, what they call archetypes. And so you would create a player, and he had a certain archetype. And so he had a primary, a primary what he good at, then he had a secondary what he was good at. And so then you got all these different collaborations of, uh, of characters that you can do. But here's the thing. You create them, and it wasn't like you just create them 100 on day one. Like, he couldn't just be 100. And so you would have to actually go to the park. It's not a real park. It's a video game park. And so you go to the park, and you play against other players online. And it would take you months, months to get that player who was this type of archetype, this, the variation archetype, uh, to uh, where he can actually compete with people. And there were people that play all day long. I played about, you know, a couple of hours. And they play all day long, and they would beat me all day. And so you get there, and you go, I don't like this player. He sucks. And so then you go back, and you create another one based on a YouTube video that you watched that this player is better than that player. 
And before you know it, you got seven or eight archetypes. You spent $200 and you ain't. That's been my journey with spiritual gifts. Just letting you know. All right. I think I, I, think I got it now, though. And so service, ministry, and all these different things that come alongside it. And the last one is the workings and the manifestations. And watch this. Once you've figured out the variety of things that you can operate those gifts in, when the existence, uh, when you exercise your motivation, motivational gift through your ministry gift, the Holy Spirit determines the manifestation or the impact of the person that is going to be impacted upon. I'm going to show you this real quick. Maybe I, I believe this is me. Next slide, Ryan. I used to believe when I first became a Christian that I had a gift of service. Right? Because I would roll up my sleeves every single What you need? That's the reason I started playing bass. I'm kidding you not. Bass player left. It was a bass up there. I said, y'all need a bass player? You need somebody to teach kids? That was me. Clean the church. Count the money. I was doing all the different things. I was just like, I just want to be in the church. I just know God called me out of it, and I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I thought I had a gift of service uh, initially. It ended up being, being that. Then I thought it might have been a gift of teaching. Then I understand who teachers are, and I'm like, mm. now, listen, you might say, well, you can teach a little bit, but it's not my primary gifting. Everybody's been given at least one, but some of us have multiple, but it's not my primary gifting. I thought it was leadership. Oh, Lord Jesus. But I found that my motivational gift was what, mo what drives me, what moves me, what's that thing deep down on the inside of me that always gets me going. And I believe that the inside of me is this gift of prophecy. We're going to go into that a little bit. And then based upon that prophecy, I have the office or the ministry outworking of a pastor teacher. That's the way I channel that prophetic gift. I have a secondary gift there, administration leader. And people who uh, are part of my staff, they say, yeah, you probably got that. You, you push us. You challenge us. You do, you do that. Uh, and, and, and so I used to think it was a gift of leadership, but now I understand, no, it's just administration because that's a part of the role. It's a part of what I do. And people will say that I'm gifted at it, and I don't even notice it. People have to tell me about it. I kid you not, I'll be doing stuff, and then I, I wonder what, a few months ago, and like this, you just brag on yourself. This is the only way I know how to do it because I've been trying this for years. And so three months ago, I was doing some stuff, and the elder was like, man, you, like, you, you, you do that on a high level. Like, there are people at my job that don't even do that as good as you do that. I'm like, it's just, it's just what I do. It's just what I do. And then finally, the workings, the manifestation of it is I might be operating as a pastor uh, uh, with the gift of prophet, I mean, I might be my primary goal might be prophecy, and my working out working would be pastor teaching. I stand here and I pastor teach, and because of that, you might get a word of knowledge. Because the last category of gifts, it's up to God to do those things. And you've seen it. We try to fabricate stuff. I got a word for you, and then you even like you don't miss all of God and everybody else. We can't determine those things. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's that energy behind the Holy Spirit that makes all those things go. Based upon that, I might be speaking, I might be speaking to you, and then it might infuse faith inside of you. Or it might be somebody on stage, they might be singing, and then they exhort, and then faith is infused inside of you based upon the way that they're operating. And so as you see it this way, this is why, the, the, listen, this is why a lot of us get frustrated because we look at those gifts. You ever take a spiritual gift test, anybody? And you look at it, you go, Last Tuesday, it said something different. <laughs> I 
And so I believe that this is important for us to understand this framework. Don't mean you agree with it, but at least understand it. All right? And so we're going to really just jump into the motivational gifts today. And I ain't got a lot of time left. Took a long time to get there. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so he's talking about these seven motivational gifts. And he said, if you're going to do these things, do it with you, like do it to the fullness, knowing that that is what God has called you to do. Right? That's what God called you to do. And some of you are saying, okay, this is, this is, this is out there. Uh, thank you. But none of those things on the list even apply to me. Well, let me give you a, a definition, some different definitions of it, and see if, it, if you feel like it applies to you now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off these gifts, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to go and do nothing special or different, and, 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 but I want you to think in terms of motivation. When it comes to God, in your motivations, what do you primarily gravitate towards? And I want you to pick your top two. Well, you say the top two. And listen, when you first start out, it's going to be hard. I've been there. It's going to be hard. You know why? You, here's the thing. It's hard because we're unfamiliar. I remember I told you about playing the bass. I remember when I first started playing the bass, I couldn't tell you the, bass between, the difference between an acoustic bass, an electric blade bass, a fretless bass, a fretted bass, uh, a fender versus something else. I couldn't tell the difference. I couldn't. When I heard it, I couldn't tell the difference. I could barely pick out a bass line. But now, I guarantee you, most people in the room, except the musicians, if I, if I played a fretless bass or a fretted bass, you probably couldn't even hear the difference. Because you're unfamiliar with it. Okay, that, 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 okay. let's do something else. Okay, uh, I don't speak Spanish. Right? Brenda speaks Spanish. Very familiar with Spanish, right? Throw them deuces up, Brenda. Okay. Brenda will be able to tell you more than likely a person from Spain speaking Spanish versus a person from Mexico. Right? We're here to say that just sound like Spanish to me. Right? And I know it in reverse because when I went to Nicaragua, they were trying to tell me the difference that the dude was doing imitation. He was trying to tell the difference between a Texan accent or a New Yorker accent. You know it. You were like, that's a New Yorker, that's a Texan. He from Calico. <laughs> right? You'll be able to tell it based upon you knowing and you being familiar with it. And so here's the thing. When you start out with your spiritual gift, this is always this blob of gifts. But the more you get into it, the more you begin to learn it, the more it becomes a part of you, the more you'll be able to discern, nope, that's not it. I thought it was, but mm -mm 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 -mm. And it takes a concerted effort to follow God in Christ. And so for you visitors, you're like, I didn't come to church for this. I came to hear something else. Listen, we're in a series, y'all, but we, we, we won't get to it. But this is going to be important. All right. So when I mention them, think to yourself, yeah or no, yay or nay. Prophecy. The divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity in a timely and culturally sensitive fashion for correction, repentance, or edification. The ability to reveal God's word accurately. This can manifest in telling the future. I don't think it happens that way the majority of the time. Based on a biblical understanding of prophecy. When you look at the Old Testament prophets, they came into town. They say, this is God's heart. This is what God requires of you. 
And then they said, if you don't, But we've turned prophecy into John on the Isle of Patmos. Prophecy is just as much forth-telling, forth with a T-H, telling than foretelling. Prophecy often is what we call preaching. Well, we can come and we can, we, we, we can hear the heart of God concerning a situation, and we come to say, this is what God is saying concerning this. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be prophetic utterances ever. I won't say that, but I'm saying is that is on the fringes. That is less often than it is saying what God's heart is. And you can know this about me as much as I talk about things on Facebook. And sometimes I feel like I'm saying some stuff, and people are like, why are you tripping over that so much? Because I feel like this is God's heart concerning this, and you're just looking past it, and God wants you to grow in this area. People with the heart of prophecy, They look at situations, they go, what's going wrong? Where is God in it? How do we tell people about God needing to be in it? Now, you think now in that context, look throughout the scripture from the beginning to the end and say, yep, that's what prophets did. It wasn't about a a, a tongue and and put a mic in front of you and tell you you're going to get a brand new Cadillac. Because remember, these gifts are for the edification of the body. Ain't for your bank account. We've eccentralized prophecy, and we've, we, we, we've said teaching and preaching is bad, but this is just the heart of God. All right, anybody? Anybody? No, maybe? Okay. Anyway, service. The divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks within the body of Christ. The ability to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs to release, that releases other Christians for direct spiritual maturity. I say to you, a person with the gift of service, say, if I do this, I think I can attach spiritual connotations to it on the other end of it. A person with the gift of service will just raise their hand and say, what do you need me to do? And it's not like some of y'all, you raise your hand and go, what do you need me to do? And okay, and you start doing it, and then like a week later, you're like, forget that. A person with the gift of serving, they come back after that task is done. What else do you need me to do? What else do you need me to do? And the challenge with the servant's heart is they are often the most abused people in the church. Uh-oh. I've been cleaning the bathroom for 10 years. Ain't nobody ever said thank you. And we walk over them because we just expect it of them because that's what, that's, that's what their heart is. It's what God is doing. But we need that. And it's not only about, listen, sometimes we only think service as like physical manual labor. It might be other things. In my mind, it, it, I've seen people with serving hearts, they've seen somebody else functioning in a, in, in a ministry role. They say, listen, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a break. Because their heart and their mind is always, how can I serve the saints? What can I do to bring glory to God through the service? And their idea is always, what can I do to help? And again, we think of the servant Scrubbing toilets, not, it don't have to be there. It could be in, what do I need to do to help? You need a website built? I build websites. What, do I, what, what can I do to help? Anybody? Teaching. Then divine enablement to understand and give detailed explanation of biblical truth. Ability to search out and validate truth with, which has been 
presented. Listen, I used to think I had, like, that was my primary motivational gift until I started meeting some of my professors. I'm like, y'all just be looking up stuff just to be looking it up. And they be excited about it, and they be talking, and don't nobody, nobody else in the room care. And they just be like, and, 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 look, and look, and if you look at the Greek, and they be like, you be like, no, it's right there. And be excited about it. I thought I had the gift of teaching, like primary motivation the gift of teaching, until I started pastoring every Sunday. Had a lesson. I realized, this ain't cracked. You know, I, I preach out of my pastoral teacher role, but it's not my motivational gift. My motivational gift is not to say, Rosie, you need to understand this about this, this, and this. My motivational gift is God is saying this. And so sometimes I get, I get myself in trouble because I'll just tell you all the facts and then not give you the application if I'm a teacher. The prophet will say, no, 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 you need to understand some things. Like, there's some application to this. And as you notice, at the end of every service, I try to give you an application. I'm like, don't leave here without understanding what God had just said. (laughs) But it wasn't until I started finding out the nuances of it that I thought better. All right, exhortation. The divine enablement to come alongside another in need of encouragement to reassure, strengthen, affirm, and challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. The ability to stimulate the faith of others. Exhortation. That is the word parakletos, actually, where they talked about the Holy Spirit coming alongside. The person with the gift of exhortation will lock arms with you and they will walk through a season of life with you. And this is one of those areas where we say that the gifts are important because, listen, I can sit up here and preach a sermon all I want to, and some of y'all don't even remember what I said 15 minutes after I said it. But you're going to remember someone who locked arms with you in that tough season. And so we need all kinds. And so the person with the gift of exhortation, you can operate in, as a small group leader. You can operate on your job. Like, you can operate in all these different areas because you come alongside people and you're like, how can I make this whole? How can I make you whole? How can I bring something to this? Challenging with people with the gift of exhortation, sometimes, sometimes they, don't, they, 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 they don't discern when they need to cut stuff off. The challenge is, Sometimes you want people to be your pet project, and so God is sanctifying us in this. All right, we have a couple more. The gift of giving. Hey, every pastor loves a person with the gift of giving. <laughs> Listen, the divine enablement to have resources, to manage them well, and to wisely contribute to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and liberality. Ability to entrust personal assets to others for the furtherance of their ministry. People with the gift of giving, and listen, this ain't the best about being rich folk, because this can happen in Nicaragua, it can happen in Honduras, the woman with the two mites. But this is people say, they say, what can I give to that? You can often see people with the gift of giving when we do a fifth Sunday serving opportunity, they might say something like, why don't we just, 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 just do a car wash and we marry some money? I put the first hundred dollars in. Right? And Courtney, I know Courtney has seen this on mission trips. Like, you can identify people with different spiritual gifts when you go. I went to a mission trip in Nicaragua with a a, a men's group from ACF, and it was a bunch of dudes who owned companies, and it was a bunch of leaders, and it was the toughest mission trip I've ever been on. Type A person. Everybody, everybody, everybody had an idea about what needs to go down and how we need to fix the country. I'm like, we just got here five minutes. We're going to be gone in two, three days. You are not going to fix the whole country. But they were all 
wealthy, successful, and had this gift of giving associated with it. And so that's one thing. Sometimes like gifts, they locked into each other. Just like our concentric circle, sometimes these things, they overlap a little bit. And so those guys, man, they were just like, man, I, I can give this, I can give to this. And when I get back, I'm going to have my secretary write this and do this and do that. I'm like, man, get back to the States. I want that checkbook to stay open. Right? So there's divine ability. And so they ask, what can I give to meet the need? Leadership. The divine enablement, not bossy people, the divine enablement to see what needs to be done. Set goals, attract, and lead and motivate people to accomplish the work of ministry. Ability to coordinate the activities of others of the achievement of those goals. They usually ask, what's the goal here? They the people that's in the room when everybody's just kind of doing stuff. They go, hey, time out, time out, time out. What are we doing? A leader say, no, you're doing it all wrong. No, 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 you, no, no, change, no, 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 change. We don't like leaders. We don't like leaders. They say, listen, listen, I, I understand. We, we're doing a lot of running. They, a leader would say, let's work smart, not hard. That's what a leader would say. They'll coordinate. They'll, they'll, they'll get people together. They'll, they'll, they'll do the stuff, and they'll do the necessary stuff. And, and, and you can give a leader something and come back, and it's accomplished. Anybody? Where's the goal? Then finally, the gift of mercy. That word could also mean compassion. The divine enablement to minister cheerfully and appropriately to people who are suffering or undeserving and to spare them from the punishment of consequences justly deserved. Ability to identify with and comfort those who are in distress. Their ideal thing is, how can I ease the suffering? How can I show compassion? How can I move the needle in the direction of Jesus' love? That's the person with the gift of mercy or other term, compassion. They'll come alongside you and they'll. Some of you may be saying right now, I took a spiritual gift test and I, I didn't have now one of them seven. I'm asking you, take a step back and think about the motivation behind what you do, what you do. Because there will be ministry outworkings out of that. What's the motivation of what you do, why you do what you do? Some of us are gifted in more than one area. Some of us have been challenged in those areas that we are gifted in. But for the next few moments, I just want you to think about those list of seven. If, if there was anything that jumped out to you, I told you to pick the top two. If there was anything that jumped out to you on those top two, I want you to pray about those things and present them to God right now. As the worship team comes to lead us in another song, just present them to God and say, God, I believe that maybe it might be this gift. That might be my motivation for what I do, why I do what I do. And I really can't. If it was three, don't be legalistic. If it was three, pray about those three. And pray that God will reveal to you in the coming weeks and months as you connect with groups about the thing that he's called you to do, about the things that he's saying to you. Before they sing a song, I'm going to close with this one last story. A few weeks ago, I, I made the transition. It was a hard one. No, it wasn't hard. I love this transition. I went back from Mac to PC after five years. I left Mac. I hate y'all. 
Five long years, I went back to PC. <sighs> Got tired of paying the Apple tax. And I ordered this device, and I ordered it online. And I love when you order stuff online now, especially when you order a computer, they give you the UPS number, and they tell you where your thing is going. It was coming, and I was like, man, my, look, it was a prize to me. It was a gift to me. I was like, I can't wait till it comes. I paid for it. But listen, that's another story. But imagine if it was a gift. And I saw that they came through North Carolina, and then there was a big hurricane down on the Gulf. And so then it went the other way, and it wasn't going to get here by Friday. It was supposed to have getting here by Friday. It wasn't going to get here by Friday. And then I saw a stop in Fort Worth Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. He was still in Fort Worth. I said, no, something going on here, man. So I called Tuesday morning. I said, hey, uh, brother. Got me a new Lenovo ThinkPad coming. It's the top of the line, and I need that to be on my doorstep. Well, yeah, it was delayed because of uh, the rains. And No, brother, the rain was over there. It's in Fort Worth. I could have walked to Fort Worth by now and got my, well, you know, sometimes it goes off the, blah, blah, blah. And he hung up the phone, and two hours later, I saw it moving. I said, they lost my thing, and they found my thing. It's okay. <laughs> found my thing. Wednesday, they say it's going to be here between noon and nine. I can't do that all day because you ain't going to just leave the laptop. They're they going to give it to me. I need my laptop. I'm ready to transfer my stuff over. I'm excited about my gift. I'm tracking it. I need to know it. I need to know what's going to go on with it. And when I got that box, let me tell you something. I had a meeting when it came. I had a meeting because it didn't come that day. It came the next day. Mm. I had a meeting. I put that box up under my arm, and I came up into the church. And before my meeting, I had opened it up. I was playing with it. I was excited about my gift. My Thursday meeting came in. He was like, hey, what's going on? I was like, man, I got to meet with you. I got my gift. I was excited about my gift. That's the way we should be about the things of God. Not apathetic about it, like Paul said. He said, for these things, I don't want you to be unknowing about these things. I don't want you to be agnostic about these things. I want you to be excited about the things that God has given you and that he's going to, and listen, that laptop has got used. I want you to be excited about it, and I want you to use the thing that God has given you. Listen, I know you ain't found out yet, but don't give up. Keep tracking it. Keep looking for it. Make the necessary calls if you need to make the necessary calls, but get that in your hands because as you get it in your hands, it's going to bring you joy. I'm not looking back to Mac. Somebody said, right on. <laughs> A silly little example, but that's exactly how we should be about the gifts of God. He's gifted them to us. He's held us accountable to it. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.